Welcome to the podcast edition of Musicians of the Midnight Sun. I'm your host, Pat Braden, broadcasting to you over the virtual airwaves from the Love Shack studio here in the heart of Old Town Yellowknife Northwest Territories. Now, I'm a bass player, Chapman stick player, singer-songwriter, and I've been playing music throughout the North since about 1977. As a young musician, I was caught up in the explosion of popular music in the world through the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. As I got older, I thought there must have been the same thing happening up here, just in a different place and on a different scale. So in 2003, I started to interview the older players who taught me most of what I know today, and many more musicians that I'd only ever heard of. My intention was to have an accessible and free place where anyone could go to learn about these players and the musical times and the lives that they lived. Over the years, I've collected 30-plus interviews and created an archival website at www.musiciansofthemidnightsun.com. Now, some of these interviews are quite long, so I wanted to bring the core of their stories to a more accessible format. So I created this series of podcasts to continue the celebration of the musical lives of these northern musicians who performed in northern Canada from the 1950s through to the mid-1970s. Thanks for tuning in. Please send any questions and comments to me through this website. I hope you enjoy this podcast episode of Musicians of the Midnight Sun. I missed out on getting to know Wilf, academically or musically. He taught at the Catholic school, and I went to the public one. Some of the other musicians I played with who did get a hit of Wilf in their youth were at least two years older than me. I really didn't get to meet him until I took the family bicycles out to his K&W bicycle shop on Cam Lake Road in the late 1980s, after he had retired from teaching and from playing music. I knew he had been very active in the early years of the live music scene in Yellowknife, again from the musicians I played with. They all had their favorite Wilf stories, and most of the time were playing a guitar or through an amplifier that they'd bought from him. It was not until I talked with the late Alex Charnicky in 2006 that I learned just how active Wilf was on the local scene in the 1960s and 1970s. From all accounts, Wilf was a no-bullshit, pragmatic, common-sense, straight-up, no-filters kind of guy. The kind they can only make in Saskatchewan. Wilf was from the same area of Saskatchewan where I was born, and painted a beautiful picture of the grassroots music scene of the 1940s and 50s, before he moved his family north to Yellowknife. He reminded me so much of my own father in that way, both young men who came of age in the Great Depression and the Second World War in rural Canada, he was not alone in that same shared experience of men who had bet the house, literally and figuratively, when they moved their families north. The young men of Yellowknife benefited from those no-bullshit, pragmatic, common-sense, straight-up, no-filters men like Wilf, who would nurture the strengths and talents of their young charges, guiding them towards a vocation where they would do well. I guess the one last word I would use to describe Wilf is humble. You can hear it in the way he talks about himself in the interview. Another testament is that I've had little success in finding photographs or any articles on him and his years of playing music here. In the photographs of the band's Alley Cats and Easy Street, Wilf is either out of the frame or standing immediately behind another band member. 
almost as if he were doing it on purpose. This interview took place at the K&W Bicycle Shop in Yellowknife in the early spring of 2004. Wilf could never be accused of having idle hands and worked on repairing an ailing bicycle the whole time we talked. I'm sorry to say, Wilf Shitlowski passed away in Yellowknife at the age of 86 in September of 2016. Well, I was born in Humboldt, Saskatchewan in 1930, so that's, uh, I think it's showing okay there. <laughs> I pretty well grew up in that area in the farming country. It was all farming. I started playing guitar at about 11 or 12. My brother Rudy uh, was going to St. Peter's College and he had a special violin, a very expensive violin that one of the priests gave him. So he would play the violin, you know, the fiddle as we call it. <laughs> and he wanted something. So I started out in the banjo first of all because it was easier to handle and stuff. From the banjo, eventually, I went to the guitar. I had one of those great, big, uh, concert-style guitars that was bigger than what you were. <laughs> and we used to uh, go into amateur hours. Don't, don't know if you know what amateur hours were. Um, TV was quite prevalent in Saskatchewan and stuff, so what they had there, they'd, every Saturday, they'd have a, an amateur hour. And they'd take, uh, like you see on the TV, where they uh, you give donations, you know? Oh, okay. So you'd go up and do your little performance thing and stuff like that, and then people would give money. If they liked you, they gave you a little bit, and if you didn't like it, they didn't give you nothing, you know? Yeah. But anyway, we started that way. So TV, you said, like tuber- TV, tu- tuber- tuberculosis, tuber- yeah. Okay, so... And it was C- CJAB or whatever it was in Saskatchewan. And uh, they had a radio announcer there. He was, uh, I forget what his name is, but he was pretty good that way. He could really yank you on and get you going pretty good, so... That's what we used to do, you know. About two or three times a year, they'd come to Humboldt and Carmel and Bruno and all these places. So you'd go there and see if you could get a little bit of a prize. You might win $5 or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> which was a lot of money in that time. In, in those days, for sure. Would yeah. you broadcast right from, yeah, right, right, from the, right from the stadium? Right to wherever, the hall or a theater usually. They'd get a theater or something, and that's where they were in there. So I got started. And officially I started playing in a band when I was about 14, between 13 and 14. And that was an old-time band. And I think all we had was accordion, uh, saxophone, guitar, and a bass fiddle. And that that was the start of it, eh? What kind of music were you playing? All old-time. It was all all old-time music. What what kind of songs? Uh, German songs and uh, polkas, uh, the odd fox trot and all that kind of stuff. There was no such thing as what you call jive nowadays, or even uh, rock and roll. But uh, that was that went pretty good there. Then I went to Teachers College in 1948-49, and we started uh, at the normal school that we called the normal school, which is Teachers College now. They had a pretty good band there, you know, a band program, and I got into that. Where was that? That was in Saskatoon. Saskatoon. Yeah. And uh, that went pretty well there. Then you really got going into it. Before that, I had played with the, the Humble Collegiate Band, and the, we had a 13-piece band or whatever it was, eh? And we'd pack about six or five or six into a car, go play for dances, eh? But uh, that was a start pretty well. When I started teaching, uh, we got into some fairly good bands there. I played a couple of times with an outfit that was called Clem Gallowitz and the Canadian Polka Kings. That was uh, top of the band, and the... They'd play at Dance Land in Saskatoon. They were on TV. I never got on TV or anything like that, but 
they were all the way through there. That was that was the big band. If you got into them, then you were pretty well going. So with that band, like a big band, were you playing like uh, the the, the uh, whatever the jive music or, or the no, swing, no, the it was swing, all old time. It's all it still all old time. All so. old, old time. There was no okay. such thing as that swing okay. band or anything like that. So uh, don't forget, this was in the early fifties. Yeah, the early fifties and stuff like that. But like Glenn. The whole yeah, they, Miller, Tommy Dorsey. Yeah, thing? yeah, what I know playing? that uh, they didn't follow a lot of that. Oh, Don't forget, okay. this is Saskatchewan. Okay, okay, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, the dancers, if you played stuff like that, they wouldn't dance. People wouldn't. So you had to play the polkas and old time waltzes and your your foxtrots and stuff like that. Eh? Well, that went pretty well there. I've played with a bunch of small bands. Then we got into a, we sort of formed our own band. That was the Harmony Pals, and I still have pictures of it. I was going to bring a picture along, and I couldn't find it. We all got nicely dressed up just, you know, to be in there. That was every Friday and Saturday we'd be playing, you know, all over the country. You name it. We'd, sometimes we'd leave right after school, 4 o'clock, to get there by 10 o'clock, so that's a six-hour drive. And don't forget the roads were not blacktop either, you know. <laughs> so we'd get there, and we'd do this Waka. Uh, you must know where Waka is. Is that Bonamadon Beach? We played there for, I guess, about two years straight. That was every Friday or Saturday, whichever one, you know. They didn't even have a generator, I mean, a, a power plant. They wouldn't hook the power, they had a diesel generator. And every once in a while, the tubes blow out in your amp because they didn't have the, the voltage ring. But by the way, I was one of the first guys to use an electric guitar in the I was just going to ask you, uh, you were playing acoustic guitar, the electric guitar was finding its way into music at that time. I was one of the first ones that started. In fact, what? the amp, it was one of the amps sitting right on top there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, how, how old are you or what year would you... Have that would have been about 54, 55. When you got your first electric guitar? When I got my first electric one. And uh, that was, that well, wasn't too bad. It was, it was a dearmed pickup. Yeah. And the damn wires would always break yeah. off, you know, where they'd go into the pickup. And you'd have to take it all nicely apart, and that was all hair-thin wires in there. You'd very gently and carefully solder them. Then you, we didn't have any plastic or stuff to put over it, you know. So you put a little bit of glue over the top and hope last that And then we usually work, you know. Yeah. Once in a while it wouldn't work, so you had to carry the other guitar along too, yeah, just in case, you know. Spare. Yeah. When when you were doing these dances, uh, were you getting paid? Oh yeah. Those dances, yeah. So how much? How much would you? Ten like? bucks a night. Per man or per, per man. Per man. That's still. That wasn't just too bad, you know. But yeah, the, no, for sure. But the, by the time you figure your trip and your time and everything else, in fact, uh, I, like I started teaching fifty, and about fifty-four, fifty-five, by playing Friday and Saturday, I was making more money playing in the band than I was teaching. I made twelve hundred dollars a year teaching. And I was paying fifty dollars a month rent. Wow! And I drove a Model T and a Model A, and, <laughs> and you name it, all those good ones. So anyway, with the, the Harmony Pals, that went pretty good there. That was uh, very nice. You know, it was a good band. We had an accordion, guitar, a bass, and the sax. Gabe Lashinsky played sax, and clarinet and violin. He had, he had come back from the army, eh? so he took a music course. So he's pretty good. We did play in the mood, okay. and the pieces yeah. like that, you know. Yeah. So just uh, what they used to in the war, like you know. Yeah. You started playing just when the war was sort of wrapping up, and yep. all of those guys. About were that time, in forty-five, I'd been fifteen. Eh? Yeah. And you were just so it was just at the play. end of the war there, and a lot yeah. of the guys, the army guys, had been coming back and stuff like that, you know. 
that change the, the, the kinds of songs that you played, or was it still? No, it was pretty well. The, the old, stayed old the same. Yeah, okay. The old clarinet polka, okay. you know that one, and some yeah. of the other ones. That was still the okay. the, the standard. The it stayed the standard too. Yeah. Okay. So, and the, the Liechtensteiner polka, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And all those those type, you know, yeah. which we played here. Oh yeah, for so sure. <laughs> no, I, remember, I remember playing those songs, the clarinet polka, the so Liechtenstein. They sure. stayed all the way to the. Well, when I came up here in 64 for the first while, I didn't do anything, you know, I was too busy at the school. They were busy building the school, like, because the school burnt down on April the 1st, like. In 64? In 64. And, and when we came up there, old Norm Burns, which I'm sure you knew him, yeah. he was supposed to send me some money to, to, to come up. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited for that, and he never sent any money. So we came up on a wing and a prayer, I'm wow. telling you. <laughs> How did you find out about Yellowknife? What did you know somebody up here? Was there a job a classified? A job application. I was principal in Pilger for four years, eh? And uh, I saw an ad in the paper, Teaching Canada's Northland, eh? And I was for four years and it was getting boring, you know. Look for something different. And so I phoned the Norm Byrne and and all got hired, eh? Oh, I tried with Norm McPherson and Gordon Dabbitt. They were in Saskatoon. And I went to interview them, like they interviewed me. Yeah. And they were going to send me out to Chesterfield Inlet. I said, no thanks. I said, <laughs> he said, there's a, a guy in Yellowknife by the name of Norm Bird. We'll give you his number, you can phone him. He's looking, he's always looking for somebody. And I phoned him, and right away he sent out the application and everything else. And, and uh, well, I got hired, that's the way. He promised me 500 bucks, he was going to send me 500 bucks to. The delayed expenses, eh? Yeah. Never did get it. Never did get it. No. So you had, you had family at that time? Well, I had uh, two girls. Uh, Gwen was... Uh, well, Loreen was born February the 14th. So she was six months old. Okay. And Gwen was two years older than him. And uh, lucky for us, Loreen slept. I packed everything in the station wagon, made a little nest in the back for her to sleep in, you know? Right above the seat there. And that's how we came up. And uh, I ran out of milk at Fort Providence. There was no milk for her, you know. I turned into Fort Providence and everything was closed and you couldn't get anything. I even tried the police station. They wouldn't answer. So, <laughs> so I headed back at the Yellowknife and she slept all the way in. Thank God for that. And finally, just before I got into the Yellowknife, about 10 miles out, my windshield went. There was no more windshield wipe. So you'd stop, and there was water in the ditch, you'd take some water, and with a hubcap, you know, you'd throw it over the windshield. And often then you'd pull the windshield wipers, you know, to clean it off a little bit, and hope that there was no truck coming just, together. Just by hand, yeah. yeah. So what, what time of year did you drive up? Was it summer? Yeah, it was August 17th. So the road had been in for... Six years. Six years, yeah. That was just uh, there, just, and slippery. It was still pretty rough, yeah. I think. Well, there was hardly any ditches, or just rock. Yeah. You went there, you know, you, you <laughs> there, yellow knife never going to come, it's never going to come, when you're driving, it's never going to come. Yeah. When I stopped in yellow knife here, you couldn't tell the difference. Uh, there was uh, absolutely no paint on the car, it was just all mud, just completely covered with mud. <laughs> and you'll never believe it, the first two people I ran into in yellow knife. One was Jack Adderley. And uh, he says, uh, do you drink beer? I says, yeah, sure I do. He says, well, here's a case of beer. He was the most rapid. Boy, that's pretty amazing. 
the second one was RCMP. Uh, uh, what the hell was his name now? I knew him. He'd been in Humboldt. Eh? Oh, okay. And so I come around the corner, and here's uh, this RCMP guy. Right. <laughs> I said, hi. He says, Shudlowski, he said, you son of a bitch, you followed me up here, he says. <laughs> <laughs> so you you got here, and uh, they were just building the they school? They were building the school. In fact, when I was teaching the, the sod start at Boucher, I don't know if you knew him or not. No. But he was the, the custodian when the school burned down there. Eh? Okay. And he was one of the main builders on the school there. And uh, Red Olson, yeah. the little Jack Tees, that's where I got to know these guys. You know? Uh, yeah. I bet you there was more bottles of whiskey than in that school in the, <laughs> between the two by fours than anything else. <laughs> and so you, what were you teaching out of when the school year started that year? Where were you teaching? At St. Pat's at the high school. school. Okay, at the high school. Okay. But uh, I was only in grade, uh, well I had seven, eight, and nine first year. And I taught phys ed. Because that's the main reason I was hired for was phys ed. Because uh, okay. I had ball teams and you know, stuff. I did all the hockey and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And, like I taught the whole works that Bill Rasmus, uh, George, uh, Peter Lisk, the Wells, the whole darn works of them. Okay. I taught the whole works of them. Eh? Okay. In fact, I was one, Jim Ice, myself, and Jim McGaughty brought a volleyball to Yellowknife here. There was no volleyball in Yellowknife at that time. We brought it in here. So we had a little bit of a league, you know, between the three schools. So you got yourself settled in and teaching and all the rest of that stuff. And what, what music was going on up here? Betty Stevens. She's, she knew I played guitar, right? Because like Michael and them, they were going to Lindo used to be our babysitter, right? Okay. So she knew that I played guitar. And she, Betty says, well, do you like to come and try a little bit with us, eh? Well, I said, why, why not, you know? So anyway, we got started with Betty, and the next thing was Fred Henny. And his yellow bird. Yeah. We'd have to play a yellow bird three times a night, you know? <laughs> and Frank Wooders. And so the three of us, or four of us, we wound up at the, the Legion on Fridays and Saturdays, eh? In the basement, the old Legion. Yeah. You know? And it rained, and there was buckets of water and dripping through there and you they'd be dancing around the buckets there and you'd you'd be playing. And him and his yellow bird, you yeah. know. Frank was the drummer, right? Frank, Frank played, was the drummer. Frank yeah. drums, but yeah. before that, what had happened, uh, uh, Marge Sotheby was the music teacher at Sir John, eh? No, at the uh, public school. Yeah, and she got me started uh, like we got together a little bit, you know, I got to know him and stuff like that. So we made a couple of trips over to a river to play, you know. And in that, that was Bill Shaw. That was the principal of the public school. Oh, okay. That uh, was William Mack. William McDonald. Yeah. And uh, Bill Shaw and uh, myself, and Brian Purdy. He played trumpet. Mark played uh, there. So they f flew us to Hay River a couple of times there, and we'd do a stint there. Playing at the Legion. At the Legion in the Hay River there. Hay River, yeah. But the thing is there, the one I remember the best was anyway, we played there the one night, and it was good fall, it was cold, you know, snow and stuff like that. And so they put us into the old Ace Motel in the old town. Eh? And that's, uh, in fact, the old Ace Motel wound up here, but uh, that's where they stayed. And uh, we were supposed to come back this Saturday night. Sunday morning, we were supposed to come back. And, uh, well, around 10 o'clock, eh? So uh, we sat down after the dance, and we had a beer in the motel room, eh? All of a sudden, 
there's a knock on the back door of the hotel room. And he pounded. I said, Mr. Brandwell, should we go and see? I said, yeah, okay. And there's a guy comes in, comes in to open the door. God, he said, it's a long walk from a town. He says, it's four miles, you know. He said, I have to fly some people back tomorrow to Yellowknife. Guess who it was? Bob Goche. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, anyway, he wake me up tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. He says, we'll, we'll get going. Okay. So, I thought about quarter to 10, I'll wake him up, you know. Went and knocked on his door. Oh, yeah, he says, I'll be right with you. He says, I travel light. Pair of socks and a toothbrush. <laughs> so, you jump on the plane. And he took us back in. Yeah. Uh, we landed at the airport. What kind, of, what kind of plane were you flying? I can't even tell you to remember. It wasn't, this, uh, it wasn't the water. It was something else. Uh, but there were four of us to fly. That was uh, my introduction to Bob Gauthier. Bob Gauthier, yeah. <laughs> After that he got lost. He was out in the barren lands for I don't know how long. Oh, is that right? Well, he was about 30 days he was stranded up in the bush, got oh, lost. You never heard the story of oh, time, Bob? That's yes. what I maybe you knew. No. You better check him out. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll he was quite the pilot. Yeah. And uh, so we, we did that for a while. But that was with just before, around the same time with Betty Stevens and, uh, when that was going on. Eh? So as far as any music happening in town in Yellowknife, um, there, was, there was the Legion, was, was the Elks even there? The Elks was there, that yeah. they was going to, we played the Elks too, though. Okay, so but mainly it was the Legion all the time. Okay. That was the, the big spot, the, eh? The downstairs there. Yeah. And uh, there was some playing down in the Old Town too, was there like different, there was different house parties and stuff? Oh yeah, that was all kinds of house parties, but that wasn't so much, that was only one or two, maybe two or three people would be playing down yeah. there. I can't remember, we really, uh, I'm trying to think of the name here. Albert, Canadian, but he was quite going in there. They were, had a band going after Cage or wherever. It was, That's right? right, yeah. So that was he was pretty well into that. Yeah, I've talked with Albert. I'm just I'm right around the same time where he was talking about playing here in town yeah, and, yeah. and the people and stuff. Uh, Archie Luted is another guy. Archie, that that's the other one. They were there at competition. Okay. That was okay. Archie and and uh, at the Whitford, uh, Mark. Mark. Yeah. That was always our competition. That Lions, uh, Brian. Brian. So the, the Northbound Freeway. Yeah, Northbound Freeway. Yeah. They were all back to back with us all. So we're still talking late 60s there? Late 60s, yeah, late early 60s, 70s. Late 60s, early 70s. Then uh, Alex Chernicki. Yeah. He moved next door to me. And he knew that I was playing in a band. He said, well, I used to play in the band. And they were just young squirts at that time. They, you know, we thought we were that same way too. He said, well, I played sax and xylophone and stuff. Sax in there. Maybe we should get a band together. So then that's when the Wickenheiser okay. come in. Oh, yeah. Tom and uh, the Alex. And we had Penny Oman, Penny uh, Ballantyne. Yeah. She was too young to go into the bar or anything else, but she played piano for us. And she was good. So yeah. we, had, we had no problem there. There was enough players kicking around that there was enough to put a band together? Oh yeah, there was no yeah, problem. Yeah. Well, the, the thing was, actually, too many players, eh? Then the, after Penny, after Wickenheiser left, eh? And then uh, we got Gowitsch. Uh, 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 no, no, uh, yeah. Larry. And uh, well, he was too young to go into the bar too at that time and stuff. We'd have to sign him in and stuff like yeah. that to make sure he got no alcohol. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing was we had a really, really big show 
and that was the New Year's party at the the gallery. Yeah. And uh, that's when we sort of had a professional outfit in there. That was good then. There was Alex, myself, and uh, Larry, and uh, Screaming Demon, Randy Demon. <laughs> we, we played it the, for the New Year's deal. So he played with us for a while. Too. Yeah. That's when he just started getting into the, the, the little bit of rock and roll and the, okay. the other stuff, eh? Okay. But you're still doing the old time still stuff? Still pretty right? well the old time. And, so and Randy only played for a while. He went and he joined the RCMP, eh? That's right, yeah. And, uh, right. and Larry left. Yeah. So we had it. But that, at that time, then we had, uh, we broke up, split up, but we still, Alec and I were still together, eh? So Alec and I, we got Henry Untheim on the accordion, and uh, Gary Tees played bass, and uh, uh, John played the guitar and sang, you know. But we had Lloyd Dahl in with a bunch of us too, eh? Before that, yeah, he played bass for us. Okay. And the thing was, we played uh, up at the Explorer Hotel. This was Henry Untheim, myself, Alex, Lloyd Dahl. And I forget who the bass player was. But anyway, here we played for the AA party. I gotta tell you this, this was a good one. So you know how the AA party was and everything else, you know, no alcohol, no nothing there. So it was just about supper time, they're gonna have a big meal. So I said, well, we, let's finish it off and then we're gonna have, have something to eat. <laughs> so the introduction to, uh, what the heck was the name of that? It's a high wine piece, not a high wine, um, in the sand, something within the sand. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. But anyway, here the introduction went, Lloyd comes there, tiny bubbles in the wine. The introduction was the same for both people. He started in with that. But they didn't notice, they didn't say anything. Well, pretty well, we played every Friday or Saturday, either at the Legion or at the Alps. Okay. So everything was pretty well the same. Did you get to play out in the in the mines, like in the, the Oh Hall yeah, down at, like the, uh, down at the down at the the giant mine. Oh, there quite a bit in Con. Well. New Year's usually places like that. That wasn't. But I can remember a fight at Con on the New Year's night. There was the Italian and the, and the German guys got together. They were after one another with tire irons. Yeah, it was pretty serious stuff, you know. Yeah. So John was good. John Tees was excellent, you know. And, uh, like I taught him most of at school anyway. And now he's better. Than, well, he got better than I was anyway. See, my biggest problem was I had carpal tunnel. You know, okay. from, from I was teaching in shop at the school, and my hand would go to sleep and stuff like yeah. that. That's that was the end of it. When you were when you were trying to pick the tunes to do in your bands or stuff like that, with different people. I guess as different people came into the band, they brought in their, their songs, they're, 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 they're and you would learn and stuff like that, yeah. or as a band, would you learn, try to learn some We tried to learn some stuff. Popular music and oh, stuff yeah, like that? We had a couple of really good girl singers. Uh, we, we had, well, that was in addition to the band mm -hmm. name. You get Duncan, she's a little French girl, right? Okay. Small and yeah. pretty, you know. Yeah. Everybody loved her in the, uh, in the dance. That's uh, Connoisseur that when the sun comes up, that's what she brought in. And then we had, I forget what her name was, but she was a secretary at uh, St. Pat's. And she was blonde. And she was a pretty good singer, too. And everything else. And she finally, she married a mountain down here. But that's when uh, we got the ABBA, the, the 
pieces. Yeah, yeah, take yeah, a chance, yeah, yeah. take a chance. Yeah. And Fernando. Yeah. Oh yeah. And all those. That's yeah, on, all those tunes. All those. So yeah. that's about the style we played yeah. then. And yeah. we still played the polka family all time with his accordion and. Yeah. He was a good accordion player. He's still playing, you know. Is that right? Yeah, he's playing in Fort Saskatchewan. See, after everything split up, I quit. The night night fever came out. I said, "This is bullshit." I said, "I'm finished." And I couldn't I couldn't handle it. So that was it. My hands were bothering me anyway. Yeah, yeah. but the disco was too much. Yeah, it was, was a little bit too much. <laughs> well, I played a little bit while after it, but uh, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, but you were still teaching though, Doctor. Oh yeah, right. I talked to Lady Eight. Well, in fact, I taught till last year. Yeah. Oh. To tell you the truth, but well, okay. <laughs> I wasn't teaching. I, I was teaching with the contract day. Okay. So that covers it. That's, that's pretty well it. I'm not sure. That's uh, boy, that's that's, that's a lot of history there. Well, you know, Frank came. He, he wasn't much of a drummer, but he was he was always there. You know, he always said Fred Henning needed. That, uh, that $10 is worse than anybody else, you know. <laughs> there. This is all the chords that we used to do. Here's some of the songs that will give you an idea. Wow, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Country Roads, Never on a Sunday, Blue Tango, lots of Paul Jones in there. That's like, you know, some sets that we used to do, eh? Cotton Jenny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Beer Girl Polka, which is under there. There's Delta Dawn, Five Foot Two. Well, yeah, all the hits. Nickel Song, Cheating Heart. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Some Beatles in there, too, even. So you have Latin Polka Swing, Rock Waltz, Foxtrots, Chatees, Butterflies. Holy smokes. So give us a oh, quick yeah. idea of what. That's, that's a lot of music. Kansas City. Yeah, oh yeah. Midnight Moon. Right on, so you hung on, you hung on to the old songbook there. That's great. Every once in a while you come up with a bloody chord that I didn't know, so yeah, you have, have to, to look yeah, it up in the book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I guess that's about it. Thank you, Wolf. Okay. I would like to thank Wolf for sharing his rich musical life story with musicians of the Midnight Sun. To hear more, see photographs of his life, and the full interview transcript, check out musiciansofthemidnightsun.com, linked in the show notes. You can follow along as well on Facebook and Instagram. If you would like to support the continuation of this project, please donate it on our website, musiciansofthemidnightsun.com. I would like to thank the City of Yellowknife Heritage Committee and the Northwest Territories Creative Industries Economic Recovery Fund for supporting this podcast series and to thank the Northwest Territories Arts Council, Government of the Northwest Territories, Department of Education, Culture and Employment, the Yellowknife Community Foundation, and the City of Yellowknife Heritage Committee for supporting the website so far. A full list of supporters can be found on the website. The archival audio of this podcast is from the Northern Musicians Project Collection at the Northwest Territories Archives. I'm Pat Brayton. Thanks for listening.